With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good evening, listeners. This is your host, Rich Bernardo, on Daily Talk, Researcher 135's Community Call. This is Saturday, August 1st, 2015. And I want to welcome back all of our return listeners and callers. Tonight's show, we're going to have a very special guest, a metaphysical author, Lori Reagan. She has written a number of books, and she'll be talking about those tonight. She'll be uh, describing experiences. She'll be talking about a lot of different things in the area of metaphysics and reincarnation. And I want to welcome all of our listeners to call in with a question, with a comment. Remember, next week we're going to be having Paul Ponton of uh, Whispering Dragon in Seattle, Washington. And I see we have a guest uh, coming into the chat room now. And while we're waiting for Lori Reagan to arrive, I'll recap uh, recent shows. Last week we had Dan Patrick, uh, the e-commerce professor from Tampa, Florida. And he was discussing e-commerce and the future of e-commerce. He talked about the excesses of eBay and the many things that had gone wrong at eBay. And that was last week's show. Remember, each of our shows is recorded and archived. And you can listen to them anytime you want to. You can download them. You can record them, uh, share them. Definitely spread them around. Make other people aware of our show and... uh We'd like to welcome you back each week with uh, new questions and comments. Uh, whenever you're listening and there's a guest who says something that sparks your interest, uh, by all means, you can go into the chat room and put a question there. If you post a question or comment in the chat room, I'll read it on the air during the show. And when you call in uh, live, of course, your uh, question will air out there on the show, and the guest will respond to the comment or the question that you that you had. Lori Reagan's latest book, uh, she'll be talking about it, of course, as well, More Than Meets the Eye. That's going to be very interesting to hear her discuss the different elements of that. I read it the other day and was very pleased. And we have uh, West Washington State on the line right now. So I am waiting. Hello, West Washington State. Hi, this is Lori Regan calling. Well, welcome to the show, Lori. Thank you for being our guest tonight. Well, thank you. I enjoy these things, so I really am happy to be here. Well, we're happy to have you. Well, tell me, Lori, a little bit uh, about uh, how you came to start writing. How did you come to write your first book? Um, well... It all actually started when I had some past life regression therapy, and uh, 
Yeah, and and I actually each with each regression, I recorded everything that I saw or experienced, and didn't know at the time when I was going through these and writing everything down that it would eventually become books. Um, but that's how it started, and then I moved into uh, doing a creative, intuitive writing course. Yeah, two thousand ten. Yeah. That really opened me up. That really kind of showed me where my – I was kind of searching at the time for where my life was going to go, and that really helped kind of put me on the path of where I needed to be. So. Tell us uh, why you chose uh, metaphysical fiction. Well, since I was young, um, I just was enamored and really enjoyed – science fiction and paranormal shows and stories. And so um, it kind of uh, evolved from there. It just kind of, uh, you know, I would watch the movies, watch the shows and think, oh, that's kind of cool. Oh, this is happening to people. Sure, yeah. You know, I didn't really think it was real, but I thought it was pretty intriguing at the time. And then as I uh, entered into my uh, 50s and my 40s and my late 40s and 50s, I started to become more aware that that was little more than real. <laughs> so uh, that pretty much kind of took center stage in everything that I did. Well, tell us a little about uh, you, your first book. Was it Vision Awakened? Was that it? Visions Awakened, Journey Continues? Um, actually, Stepping Through the Doorways of the Soul was my very first book. Oh, okay. And that was... Mm-hmm. That one actually came from all of my past life regressions. <laughs> so uh-huh. that's, that's pretty much my story, only it's written in fictional format so that people can understand it a little better. Um, and uh, each one of the short um, uh, stories and the short um, past lives that my main character goes through actually was one of my uh, regressions therapy stories. So that I came to write that, like I said, I started to note everything that I experienced during those regressions. And as I would type them up and send them off to my friend, my friend would say, you need to put those in a book. And I was like, whoa, those are my stories. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if I could do that. They're like, no, you, you tell it really well. You need to put that in a book. And so that's kind of how that first book started. It was basically just a book for me. Um, to put all of, record all of my uh, spiritual journey in. So then it then it went into the visions awakened. The visions awakened is the the second in that series. I see. That's so. that's the sequel there. Yeah. Right. Right. And they were both well received, and and I know that uh, you have a very receptive audience that that is benefiting from what you're revealing from the information that you're sharing with us. How does it work for you as far as sitting down to write? Well, um, at times it's a little tricky because when I go to when I do go to sit down and write, um, I tell myself, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna write today," or "Okay, I'm gonna do art," um, because I'm an artist as well. Most of the time, I sit down and I pretty much have to let whatever comes through come, and most of the time it's art. But if I really put my mind to it the writing will come through. And when I do that, um, it's almost like 
when I start to get the story in my head, it's like I see a movie going. And I can, it, I can just watch it and write down what I see. And so that's how I get a lot of my stories. I'm just kind of watching TV in my head. <laughs> wow, it comes to you visually. That, that's fabulous. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty cool, my process, because I don't know if that happens for other writers, but for me it's awesome because I don't have to think about anything. I can kind of just let the story come through and put it down on paper. Now, one of the books that you wrote, Lizzie, about a slave girl in the 1840s, I believe it is, you, right. uh, you've, you've mentioned uh, you felt sort of like Lizzie was standing next to you. I did. I did. And it was funny. It's a funny little story because I'm, as far as how I got that book to come out, I actually, that's a past life of mine, and I, I actually pulled that forward um, after I took a trip to North Carolina. I have family there, and we went to visit them, and when I came back, that, that past life kept nagging at me, and I didn't realize it. And then when I finally uh, was able to figure out what lifetime that was, um, I felt like I was standing beside myself telling me that story. That, I know that sounds really crazy, but that's how it went down. Well, actually, uh, the, uh, the author, Robert E. Howard, who uh, developed the Conan character uh, back during the Depression, back during the 30s. Uh, the very first Conan story that he wrote, he started late in the evening, he felt the physical presence of Conan there in the room with him, and he would glance, and, and he believed that he saw the image of the sword. He believed that he saw the image of Conan, and it's as if everything just came as automatic writing. He began typing and just typed all the way until daylight the next morning, uh, and then just collapsed with exhaustion after his very first Conan experience. And he really physically felt uh, the presence of Conan standing there. So I, I definitely exactly hear where you're coming from. I, I think there's a very valid point to that. And I think it's a form of automatic writing, perhaps, or communication from uh, the other side or from another entity. Oh, definitely. Oh, I definitely know that I have helped writing from the other side of the veil because there's no way I could pull these stories out of the air. I'm not, I didn't go to school to be a writer. It wasn't like I set out to be a writer. It all kind of fell to me. And it, it, it progressed as my spiritual journey progressed. Um, unbeknownst to me that I was having help from the other side, you know. But it totally did feel like some part of automatic writing. Um, the, the funny part of that was I actually had an argument with myself or the character because um, I speak in English and I speak in proper English and I was trying to write it that way and the character kept saying to me, no, don't write it like that because that's not how I speak. <laughs> so I, I had to stop. I mean, it took me a while to give that up and let that go and just let, once I did that, that story just flowed right out in like the span of a week. It was done. Well, guess what, Laurie? We have a caller on the line. Hello, Washington. Hi, this is Wendy. Hello, Wendy. Hi. How are you this evening? I'm doing great. How are you both? Good. Great. Well, it Wendy, sounds like, you have it a sounds question? like you were talking about Lizzie. We were. <laughs> yes, indeed, we were. <laughs> I take it you've met Lizzie. At least you, you've read uh, you've read about Lizzie and Liz, the book. 
Yes, and it just it just was so amazing to see Lori's progress because I've never seen such a meaningful, difficult story written and and told so quickly. And it just it just was very very powerful to to watch um, because I had the good fortune of Lori sharing some of it with me as she was writing it, and I completely get what you're saying, Lori, about about the grammar. And yes, that must have been really hard to let go. And I can see it's just another proof to me that that Lizzie is her own authentic persona and just was was a person and and was a slave in the 1800s in the South because I mean that's that's her dialect. But it must have been hard to have heard it all correctly and to have written it that way. It's almost like another language. The dialect is so strong at times. It really is, Wendy. Um, That's why it was so difficult for me because I was like, wow, I don't know if anybody's going to be able to read this. But I've learned since that once people start to read and, you know, get into it, it flows right through for them. They really get enveloped into the story and they don't even realize that it's in a different dialect by the time it's done. Right. So, yeah. Personally, it took me just two or three pages, and then I could see the consistency to it. So mm-hmm. you really, you really were hearing very true. Thank you. And no doubt, Lizzie's personality comes through very strongly. It's a well. She's a very dominant and strong person. She's she had been through a lot, and you know, she wanted to make sure her story got told because. It's actually going to be helping to to heal a lot of people from that that had lifetimes in that time period. That's why I wrote that book, and that's why I was told I was going to write that book. So I think that's pretty amazing that I was able to do that. What uh, are some of your goals in writing uh, the short stories? Tell me, tell me what some of your goals are. Well, mainly, I have a family member who. Um, doesn't read, doesn't want to touch a book, not really caring to sit down with a 500-plus page book and and try to figure out all the main characters and all of that. And neither do, I mean, I'm a little impatient. I don't like to write really complicated storylines like that either. Um, My goal was to get my family member originally to just sit down and read my book. And not just because it was my book, but because he was interested in it. And um, not only did my family member like the book, but it is chomping at the bit for everything that I write now. So I feel like I met my goal there. And I want to share um, the fact that there's more beyond this life with people. Um, there, It's more than what it seems. And I, people, myself included, uh, my friends, uh, some family members have actually experienced things that weren't, they were on the, you know, from the paranormal. And for us, it's just reality. This is how it is. And so I kind of want to shed light on that, maybe crack the door open a little bit so, you know, people would maybe find it interesting enough to delve into it and understand that some people like myself and others, um, we live with this every day. This is our life. This is our reality. So hopefully I was, you know, hopefully I can share that with people and make it not such a scary thing. You know, I think a lot of 
Hollywood movies and such, they, they make it a really scary thing. It's not always like that, you know. I mean, sure, there are some times when you're like, hmm, that's kind of a weird incident, you know, but there are some really cool things about it as well. Now, your story, the guy I experimented was in the best of the Spiritual Riders uh, Network 2014. Tell us a little about that. Well, uh, what I basically did, they ran a writing contest, and uh, I thought, okay, I'll sit down and see if I can write a, a short enough story that I can submit. And I really wasn't counting on anything really to come that would be substantial. And so when I sat down to do this, um, I totally feel like that story has been like channeled right out of me because, for one thing, I wrote it in two hours. And for another thing, I don't even know much about some of the topics, <laughs> some of the topics that the story covers. And so I, I've had to reread that story several times just to understand it, um, only from my perspective. You know, did I really write that? Yes, I wrote that. Um, I submitted that story, and among all the people that submitted stories for their book, I won second place with that story, which amazed me. I was really speechless. This is a phrase, transformation uh, of the earth. Can you elaborate a little bit on what you think that may entail? Well, um, I think that story basically deals with the planet is a living, living being, as all we are, and all the animals, and all of the um, plants. And so over the years, thousands if not millions, I don't know how long the planet's been here, but over the years the planet has been abused, and um, the consciousness has kind of fallen. And uh, in order to, like, clean up the planet, the planet has to go through transformation. And I kind of liken it to... Um, getting a virus in your body, and as your body fights the virus off, you're going to have side effects such as throwing up or fever or chills as you go through that process of getting better again. And this is kind of where I believe the planet wants to be. The planet wants to go back to being their, the original pristine persona. And so the transformation process in that story, in that particular story, deals with the planet moving back to the fifth dimension where it wants to be. So, Lori, to play on your uh, analogy a little bit further, might that be the volcanoes, the, the fires, the tsunamis, all the various um, problems yes. that, that we're seeing on the planet? Yes, indeed. Indeed. That is my take on on that story in particular. Particular, that's what it sort of deals with. You're also a, a painter, Lori, and uh, tell me, tell us a little about that. Who who is Coral Polge? P O L G E Coral. Who is Coral? Coral Polge uh, was alive and kicking um, before the year 2000. Um, she was a lady who in herself was a psychic artist. And um, she, at a young age, um, she was told that she was going to be a psychic artist and she had no idea what that was back then. She's actually from England. She was born in England and a um, very famous psychic artist. Um, you can find her on YouTube. You can find videos of her doing her drawings. And I believe she was on Unsolved Mysteries uh, a while back too. 
which was really a cool feature uh, to be um, on that show as well for what she does. Um, but anyway, I was told that I was going to be a psychic artist. And uh, during, I was taking an um, intuitive development course. Um, I was hoping to kind of develop more of the creative side of me, you know, and get in touch with that. And in the process, um, this gal, Coral Polge, had been waiting for me to come around because she wanted to work with me and help me with my art and do drawings of people's past lives and uh, loved ones who have passed over and um, angels and guides. And it's just, it's whatever is needed is what I draw. And I have no professional art training. So this was very much news to me. And um, when Coral stepped forward back in 2011, um, she kind of, uh, it was kind of an interesting process because I went through a a lot of physical manipulations, if you will. Uh, You know how you were mentioning earlier about automatic writing. This is kind of how it came to be with Coral and I. She actually, I did get like chiropractic manipulations and such from spirit in order to kind of align myself so that she could assist me. And uh, so she does, she and other artists now, I have other artists coming in to help me do these paintings and drawings that I do. Where uh, are you displaying some of the art? Uh, I know some of it may be on your website. So tell us a little about the website as well. Well, the website carries um, my art. I title it Abstract Realism because it looks sort of abstract, but then there are some components of it that are kind of realistic. And mm-hmm. it's, a, it's actually a um, combination of the two and uh, a melding of the two to try to get what I see in my head down on the paper so that others can see it too. So when I have my visions and such, it comes out on the paper. I do my best to get it down to what I see so that other people can enjoy it too. Um, and so I... On my website, I usually will post uh, all my updated art so everybody can follow along and and, uh, see what my next painting is. And and I sometimes will post um, the process of how I get from the drawing to this final painting because that's interesting as well. That's something that got developed over time. I had no idea I would be a painter, none. I was told I would be a draw, uh, a sketch artist, and so that's what I'm doing, but I had no idea that I was going to be a painter until painting started to come out of me. Um, but that must be a wonderful, to... wonderful experience too to 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 go through that as as you're experiencing the art. Yeah, actually, you know, it's very enjoyable because I sit and watch my hand kind of do its thing. It's almost like I'm learning through my. <laughs> it's a weird combination, but it. It's kind of like I'm sitting and watching myself draw, but I'm also watching myself learn from spirit who works through me. Sort of like automatic writing, only it's automatic art. Right, exactly, exactly. So I started out with the art. I actually started out with drawing. And once I got to the drawing point and got that kind of down where she was able to physically move my hand the way it needed to move to get the drawings out, then we moved on to the painting. But before we got the paintings, these books were popping out of me. So <laughs> it's just once you open that, you know, pathway, you just never know what's going to come out of you. 
Well, Laura, I guess we'll have to have to say that intuitive development course was a big was a big success. <laughs> oh, yes, I would think yes. It was actually a 10-week course, so it wasn't like I went in one time and it happened. It was over a period of 10 weeks that I developed the ability to let coral kind of come through me. And um, it's funny because when I found out about coral, I was actually given a book by my teacher, and she goes, oh, I want you to read this. She didn't tell me that she was passed. Um, I I read the book, and I, I told myself, wow, I really want to get in touch with this lady. She sounds like she's going through everything exactly how I'm doing it, and I just wanted to talk to her. And she was an older lady, you know, like in her 60s or 70s or when she did the book, I think. And um, I went online to look her up, and uh, to my surprise, she had passed over. So I went back to my teacher and said, oh, why did you give me a book of someone I can't even talk to? And she said, well, you're going to be working with her. So jaw dropped to the floor, and here I am four years later doing it. Wow, that is fantastic. <laughs> well, tell me about to More Than Meets the Eye. Tell me, tell me about your story. More Than Meets the Eye is to date, probably my most favorite book that I've written. Um, I really enjoyed, I had been told by several people that a book of short stories would be really a cool thing for me to do because I'm really, short stories are my thing, apparently. They're my genre. And um, so when I started to set out to write this book, um, I really didn't know how it was going to go. I don't, didn't really know how short stories would flow for me in one book. And so I just sat down like I normally do and just kind of let spirits kind of take hold and do what they do. And next thing you know, I have a short story on my lap. And, yeah, it, it kind of proceeded from there. And when I had the book almost done, I wasn't sure how I was going to end it because I didn't know I wanted a cool way to end it. And so uh, some, one of my friends suggested that I take the first story and bookend it with a continuation of that first story at the end. And so uh, it kind of brings it all back together at the end and leaves it on kind of a good note. I really enjoyed uh, those two. The wine glasses, tell, tell us a little about that story. The wine glass was quite interesting because I joined a uh, LinkedIn page where writers kind of collected and gathered, and there would be a weekly contest, a weekly writing contest. And your story had to fit only in the comment section. So it couldn't be a long story. It had to be a a short story. And um, I thought, well, you know what, I'm going to give this a try. This is good practice you know, for me, if I can get these tiny little short stories to go, then maybe it'll help me with the longer ones. And um, so I sat down, and in like an hour, I had that story down, and I sent it in, and people would comment on it, of course, and um, I won third place with that story. That was my very first story in that group. So that's how that story came about. And I'm sure there is an interesting story that accompanies each story about the origin and, and how they came together. If you'd like to go into some of that, that would be great, too. Okay. On um, which one now? How about the Gaia Experiment? Tell us tell us more about that. Okay. The Gaia Experiment actually came, uh, started out of a meditation that I did. Um, I was actually shown um, 
and taken to the the rocky cliff that has the huge staircase going up it. And I was actually shown the staircase. And the, the staircase was huge, as if giants had walked it. So it was kind of hard for me to climb up it in my meditation. And uh, when I got up it and saw the guards at the at the front of the entryway of the cave, that's when I thought, oh, well, this is about to get good. <laughs> the story is about to get good. And um, so basically it started out as a meditation. And then I expounded on it when I sat down to write it because I, I think that what happened was spirit kind of gave me a little inkling of this story way back when. And then when I sat down to write, they pulled it forward and continued on with the story of the main character and, and how she had helped in, in uh, trying to help the planet move up. And the cool thing, I don't know if giving away part of the story is good or what, but um, the cool thing was uh, in the end finding out exactly who uh, the main character truly was in the end. Do you have some uh, future short story collections planned? Will there be a, a sequel to More Than Meets the Eye? Oh, definitely, definitely. And actually, I'm in process right now of working on a couple of short stories for the next book. So, yes, indeed, there's going to be a sequel. Well, that's going to be well exciting. As, as well as a third book to the trilogy of uh, Stepping Through the Doorways of the Soul, the Lauren Roberts series. Yes, tell us about the Lauren Roberts character. Well, as I said earlier, um, Lauren Roberts is actually me in my life, mm-hmm. and this is actually, I guess you could say, my memoirs or you know my story, how I came to do what I do. And um, the third book is actually going to talk about, um, it's going to culminate in what I'm doing now and how I got to here and how it felt and all the intricacies of what I go through on a daily basis to do what I do. Um, But the first book, like I said earlier, it delves into just the past life regressions, which is what opened me up to begin with. Um, And so same for my character. My main character, you know, the regressions are what opened her up. And those regressions in that book, as I said, are mine. They are actually my regressions. So there is truth to those um, as far as, you know, feeling it and emotionally knowing and being attached to those. Um, the second book picks up where that light leads off, where um, I go from having the past life regression, then I'm moving into doing more of a spiritual journey where things happen to me that are metaphysical or paranormal that I'm like, whoa, you know, things that normal people don't experience are happening to me. And um, as I grow and learn and learn how to deal with energies and and um, just my gifts that are given to me, um, you know, that's what that second book is about. And as I said, the third one will be the um, culmination of kind of explaining how I got to where I'm at now. In your past life regressions, how many different incarnations did you become aware of? And is there a certain one that you're drawn to or that you identify with strongly? Yes. Um, I, let's see, I had probably eight or nine regressions, uh, well, store, or, um, past lives that came through, and I had like three regressions in that. So eight or nine came through. Um, my, actually, my actual favorite one is the very first one, which is Nala. 
Um, I actually am writing a short story now that's going to tie back to that first story in the first book. Um, I just really, I felt like I was there when I was writing it and uh, reliving it all and just experiencing life through her. She's actually uh, the wife of an Indian chief and um, located in the Oregon area, around that area, um, and mm-hmm. uh, talks about, you know, her life. It it shows a little bit about her life, um, and then it talks about what happened to her when she passed. So I, this next book, uh, story that I'm writing that's going to tie back to that is actually going to pick up from after her passing from her brother's eyes. It's going to be seen from her brother's eyes, and uh, it's, it's pretty cool. It's going to be pretty cool. I can't wait to get that out. What are some of the powerful and significant lessons that you feel that you have learned from, from your previous incarnations? Well, <laughs> there's lots of them. <laughs> 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 They're so intense. Well, you know, the Lizzie, the Lizzie one is very intense, and it taught me a lot about forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, we I think we all have those lifetimes where we're abused or where um, we have such a hard road, we don't understand why it happens to us. And, you know, not until after we pass do we understand that, well, we asked for that. <laughs> we, we asked for a tough lifetime because there was a lesson we wanted to learn out of that. We, we wanted to experience it. And um, uh, so that one actually was the most intense one for me. And I think, uh, like I said, I, I learned forgiveness um, and, and deep love because I had such a deep love for my children that were ripped away from me. So, you know, deep love and that. Um, it seems like a running theme in some of my regressions was abuse, um, but not all of them. Just in some of them, it just seems like a running theme. And so I think there's some learning there for me still on that. Um, so I'll have to keep you up to date on what that is when I figure that out. <laughs> when uh, Gwendolyn was uh, my guest a few months back, we talked a little about recurring themes that come up uh, in different incarnations. And, and you're you're saying that that's the recurring theme that you've encountered. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not a fun one. And when you're regressing, sometimes it's pretty painful. Um, but then you have to be reminded that you are just regressing. You aren't reliving it. You know, um, that's very helpful because then once you realize, you come to that realization during while you're regressing, um, you can push past all the pain and the hurt and then be able to kind of look back on what the, what the issue was and what the lesson was out of that. Um, and then I, kind of let go of it. You you need to let go of that pain so you're not carrying it in your cellular structure anymore. I so agree, Lori, having um, gone through a, a fair number of past life regressions myself because um, the the difficult ones, the traumatic ones can come up first. And I think that can be really off-putting or scary for people. But in the hands of, of a skilled therapist, you do learn how to pull up like a movie and and watch it dispassionately and, and you're just giving, given those prompts that this isn't yeah. going to upset you. 
um, you know, that, that sort of thing. And it's not that you're denying the emotion. You're finally processing it in a healthy way because it's been yes. stuffed down in there, um, as well, you said, exactly. at the cellular level. Exactly. Um, and, and we keep people don't, it over. People don't realize that. And I really believe that's where um, the past life fears and phobias come up. That's why we've got the, the fear of snakes, the fear of heights the fear of intimacy, the fear of um, drowning, you know, things that just aren't making sense because yeah. it's being remembered at that cellular level. And when you can get to it in a healthy past life regression and release it, it changes your life. Definitely. I totally agree with you. And that is mainly why I actually did these regressions was because I was having issues in my life at the time. And it brought out what I needed to bring up, process, and move on. And if you read my first book, Stepping Through the Doorways of the Soul, you will see the regressionist, the actual regressionist that helped me, also helped to bring me to a point of healing. And whether it was imaginary in my head or whether it was actual uh, her assistance energetically, um, I was able to, as you said, not really suppress, but like get past that pain to heal because you have to. If you keep holding on to that pain, you're not going to heal. It's just ingrained so well into your cellular memory. A tremendous sense of relief when you do release it, I'm, I'm sure. Oh, and, you know, you could release it with tons of tears. You could release it with, um, you know, just, letting the anger go, like swinging it out. I mean, it, there, I went through some stuff. <laughs> I went through some stuff to release the, the past lives that I have listed in my book. Um, but I did have a very good and loving uh, therapist working with me, and that's something I would highly recommend for anybody that does past life regressions, that you make sure that you have somebody that, one, you feel comfortable with because, you know, it's, it's like when I first went in there, and in my book I even said, um, well, what's going to happen to me? You know, am I going to be hypnotized? Or, you know, what, what's, they're going to they're gonna implant stuff in my head, and that totally was not how it was. So uh, just knowing that I could trust the person that I was with, because it is kind of an emotional thing, and you are very, it's almost like you're bare. You're bearing your soul. I agree. There's got to be a really good um, fit with the therapist because you, you can feel very um, vulnerable. So you just really have to have a, a good referral and, and just, you know, check out those testimonials, um, you know, have some conversation beforehand. And I, I think the um, American public has gotten, had a real disservice by being shown the Las Vegas style um, hypnotists for entertainment purpose the oh I'm going to make someone dance like a chicken and that's the exact opposite of it what is. hypnotherapy is about it, so, it really is Wendy I, I agree with you because that was my first I was very uh, I don't want to say I was at ease leery. when I went up there <laughs> yeah. I was very mm, Okay, how's this going to go? But I was willing because mm-hmm. I felt prompted by some unseen force to do this. Like, you know, it was like my guardian angel whispering in my ear saying, hey, I think you really need to do this. And that prompted me to just 
follow through. I just trusted that my angels were taking me through, you know. Right, right. And Lori, didn't you start a little bit on your own, um, perhaps with some some YouTube type self got yeah. meditations from someone else? I did. Um, yeah, and that's in my book as well. Uh, my very first one was a, a YouTube uh, regression led uh, therapy thingy on, and it was it was okay, but. You know, you don't have that personal touch where someone is there kind of saying, it's okay, okay, just push back. You know, they are taking cues from you. Whereas when you're watching it on YouTube, you pretty much are at their mercy of where you're going. Right. What do you think is your primary purpose in this incarnation? Is it to teach and, and to reveal to others, what what do you think your main purpose is this this go round? Well, uh, quite honestly, I think my purpose is to one first of all show love to everyone because I feel like this life is all about love. I mean, we need that so much. I mean, if everyone loved each other, there would be no wars, there would be no one hurting, there would be no one stealing from one another. Um, so my primary function, I believe, is to just share that love energy. And then the next thing would be is to assist others with healing. Like, you know, I, it could be something as small as doing a doodle for somebody and they recognize that as their family member that passed away and yet they've been stuffing that grief deep down inside. I can give you an example of... Um, my, a couple of my friends and I went to see James Van Prague when he was in town a few years ago when I first started doing the drawings. And we sat in the very back of the room. Now, James Van Prague is a, a, a very famous psychic. And he was doing a um, book signing at uh, one of our local bookstores here. So I thought, well, I'll just go get get my pad, my drawing pad signed. I didn't buy a book. I just <laughs> get my drawing pad signed. And so when I walked up to him, he looked at me and he goes, oh, you're the artist. And I said, yeah. And he's like, um, I, are you coming to my event on Saturday night? And I was like, uh, I wasn't planning to because it was pretty expensive. And I thought, well, I'll just get this signature and that'd be great. I need, I need him and good. Um, but all that, all that week, um, I tossed back and forth with the fact that he had told me he thought I should go. And uh, he was being prompted by spirit to tell me that. And so I was like, okay, well, if I have some indications further in the week, then maybe I'll think about going. And, well, my other two friends decided they were going to go with me. So we ended up going, and we sat in the very back, and I brought my drawing pad. And, and as I sat in the back, he was doing readings all around the room, and there was probably about two or 300 people there. So it wasn't a small group. It was pretty large. And... um. I ended up drawing for a woman and her husband two rows in front of me. Um, He did a reading for them that their daughter, like 20-year-old daughter, came through. And I'm sitting there sketching like a mad woman, not even paying attention to what was going on in the room. And then finally when I was done, I put my pencil down, and it was time to go. And my friend looked at me, and she said, who did you draw that for? And I said, I don't know, but I think it's for those people in front of us. And she goes, well, are you going to show it to them? And I told her, ah. How do you walk up to somebody, cold call on them, and say, hey, I drew your dead daughter? Um, it, it was very, at that time, I wasn't as confident in my drawing. And um, she goes, but you might never get a chance to see them again to do this if it's for them. 
And so I told I told her, I said, yeah, you're right. And then I kind of said to Spirit, well, if you've given me an opening, I will definitely show this to them. And so a couple of minutes later, the woman was putting on her coat to get ready to leave. She turned around and we locked eyes and I thought, whoa, here's my opening. And so I did as I promised I would. I walked up to her and started talking to her and I said, you might think this is strange, but I draw for spirit and I think I may have drawn your daughter. And she said she would love to see it. So I showed it to her. The minute I showed it to her, she collapsed in my arms crying. Uh, She was releasing that grief and then she looked up at me and said, that is my daughter. And I started crying because I could feel her grief coming at me. And um, I knew that I was there to help her, like, uncork that shaken up bottle of soda (laughs) and let those bubbles out and uh, help her to heal. So, And she did that twice that evening, first when I first met her, and then when we were getting ready to walk out, her husband looked at me and said, you know, that took guts. And I told him, yeah, I know it did. And then she collapsed in my arms again and started crying. So I know I have purpose here, and I know it's to help people. And however way, whatever way that I can help them is what I'm going to do. So I think my purpose is actually um, just to assist in moving that energy around, whether it be giving comfort or compassion to somebody or drawing their deceased daughter, you know giving a message from spirit. So I have a strong feeling you're going to have very many more similar experiences to what you just related. I think there's going to be a lot more of that. Oh, I've, I've actually, yeah, I think I've actually had quite a few of those experiences. I've, I've done some fairs in the area here, um, and people come to me, and they don't know why they're coming to me. They just walk in off the street and go, I was told I needed to come back here to you. And they didn't know who told them. They didn't know why they were there. And they'd sit down, and and I would end up drawing something that was meaningful to them. Share another one that particularly resonates with you, another incident that stands out for you. Uh, I had a lady and her husband come to me at one of the fairs. And the woman uh, was actually, she made a beeline right for me. I, I'd never met her before. Her husband stood off kind of to the side, and he was fidgeting with his cell phone. Like, he wanted to be distracted, but he really wanted to see what I was going to do. I think he was kind of questioning my abilities. Um, But anyway, she totally sat down, and I tell people, I don't want to know your story. I just want to do a drawing for you. You know, don't – it's a one-way conversation. It's coming in from spirit and out to you. I'm not asking you for any information. And so I started to draw, and the minute – that I got the eyes done, she took a deep breath in and gasped. And I said, what's the matter? Are you okay? And she goes, I'll tell you in a minute. And I said, okay. So I continued to draw, and I got the basic outline done. And she goes, oh, my gosh, you just drew my son. He passed away when he was 12. And I was like, oh, okay. And then more came. Uh, But before that happened, I felt like this whoosh of air come through me. And the next thing I know, I'm... I threw myself on the woman, giving her a hug, and I backed off and I said to her, I'm really sorry, this doesn't, I, I don't normally jump people like this, this is not me. And she said, it's okay. She goes, before I sat down, I asked to feel my son one more time. Wow. 
So she actually pulled up a picture on her cell phone of him, too, and matched it up with the picture that I drew. So I think that she felt much better and very relieved to know that, you know, I told her, I said, he's still around you. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. That was a wonderful experience for her. It was. It was. It was a little bit weird for me because I don't normally like hop on to people but it was like this gust of air came and I just had to give her a hug it was, it was just like he came through me to give her a hug that was my first experience of actually having that happen Lori could you um fill folks in on your energy washes I don't know if you've talked about those before I joined the call because I think those serve such an incredible purpose too and they're very different People may not know what an energy wash is because I sure didn't. (laughs) Well, the energy washes are really cool. Um, They deal with watercolor pencils. And I will take a piece of watercolor paper and we'll connect with a person. They will sit down for a reading. And what it does is it kind of goes through the energy that you are standing in at the moment, whether um, you're having issues like with anger or, you know, uh, if you're having sadness. Um, but I, it, it's my guide connecting with your guide saying, okay, well, these are, these are the issues we need to talk about. And so what happens is, is I will be, uh, Spirit will help me choose anywhere from four to six different colors. Um, and normally the colors kind of line up with your chakras and what they represent. Um, but sometimes it's a little different because I do have my code, my own code with my guides. And so certain things mean something different to me than they would someone else. If, if my guide tells me use this color, it's because we already connected on what that color means. And so what happens is then on the paper, I put down the different colors. And each color is put into sort of a symbol sometimes. Sometimes it's just a line. Sometimes it's a symbol. Sometimes it's a figure. And um, as I'm doing each color, their uh, spirit kind of just comes through and says, okay, well, this yellow means that, and this this big circle in the middle of yellow means that your fear is humongous and it's taking up a lot of your life right now. There is some kind of fear. And then we move on to the next color and the next color. And by the time we're done, there's a whole reading that's done um, just on your energy. And when I'm done with that, then I take a, a water wash over it to blend the colors together and spirit just kind of pushes the paint around. And lots of times after that, people will see images in the painting once it's done. They'll see faces, they'll see animals, they'll see whatever's meant for them to see. And I tell them to put those paintings out where they can see them and uh, the energy from that painting will help process what's going on, help them kind of move forward and heal or, you know, work through something that's going on in their lives. And they, you know, it changes. So it could be another month down the road, we do another one and the whole color scheme might change because you're in a whole different frame of mind at that time. You've helped a lot of people work through grief and work through fear. What are some of the other other things that people are working through that you've helped them with? Well, the one thing, too, that I like to um, be used for, if I'm going to be used for anything, is to encourage others and to uh, encourage them to follow their dreams and follow their joy and do the things that, that they keep going, well, you know, I don't know if I can write a book. Well, you don't start out writing a book. Start out writing something smaller. You know, it's, 
my I feel like that's another role that I have in this lifetime is to encourage people. And I think sometimes that's the biggest thing. I think, you know, people get stuck and they just need a little little nudge, a little help, to a little reassurance that, hey, maybe they are on the right path, you know. Um, so I, I do that quite a bit. I think my friends probably get tired of me <laughs> doing that all the time, but that's what I do. Well, hopefully at a certain point they come to appreciate it once they realize that you've helped open the door for them or helped get them started uh, <laughs> down their journey. Yeah. Yeah, I think they do. It's just, you know, it, it, I seem to do that a lot, though. Well, you know, I think that you can do this. I think that, you know, just keep going. It's great that you're doing that, you know, just keep going. So I think they do. I don't know, Wendy, do you? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I think encouragement is just such a big deal for all of us because I think we live in very interesting times energetically where things are changing very rapidly. And I'm thinking back to our conversation a half an hour earlier that a lot of folks aren't aware of their past lives and and what's going on energetically. And I think that's changing very, very rapidly. But people, um, understandably, aren't yet comfortable talking about it. So they're still kind of stuffing it or denying it. And I think um, you being in this, this genre of metaphysical fiction is just, so helpful because it's it's really um, uplifting and instructive for people. It's amazing what you can pack in a short story that there's just such a a lesson in each one. Um, and I, I really admire that you're writing for the the non-writing audience <laughs> because that's, that's was, a tough crowd. <laughs> well, and that that's non, where I came from. Non-reading audience. <laughs> well, that too. But I came from the non-writing crowd so I mean I I write what I would read like I mm-hmm. write what I think I would be interested in but it also at the same time I don't think that people understand all of the different gifts um, spiritual gifts that are out there I think that you know they they might possess a gift that they don't realize is a spiritual gift you know until somebody says hey you know this is this is a special gift you know and like if a character is in my book more than meets the eye, um, that they, they, some of them look at it as more of a curse, and some of them look at it as wow, I'm going to do something with this, or you know. And I'm I'm just hoping with that book in particular that it really kind of cracks that door open, so that people kind of open their minds a little bit to the possibility that there is more out there than what we know and what we're being shown. I mean, I've experienced it physically. I know a lot of my friends have experienced it physically. It's real. People just don't, you know, unless they actually experience it for themselves or see it. It's like we've been taught if you don't see it, if you can't hear it, if you can't, you know, touch it, it's not real. That's what's been ingrained in us. And so if you can get past that and actually touch base and touch uh, with, with, I don't even know, your other sense, your sixth sense, I guess. Uh, If you can get past that and actually maybe start to think that there are other things out there that influence our lives. I mean, there's more, there are many more layers of dimensions around us that we are unaware of and things go on all the time in. And everything that, 
that you've described and that's what you, that you're doing in terms of the art and the stories and the, the one-to-one uh, working with people, all of it is part of an awareness that is opening up. You're helping expand an awareness level among people. And that's probably another part of my role here on Earth. <laughs> I think, Lori, you're doing a great job of asking what if questions because you're not in any way telling people what to think because that's not needed or appreciated. We all get plenty of that already. But mm-hmm. you're just saying what if and you're presenting possibilities so people can do their, their own discernment and have their their own experiences but our society is so left brained and skeptical we've really um, lost our our trust and our faith in the divine um, and in so many things Um, and I think that's just a major major issue of of what's going on with you know not only our country but but the world but that's what it's all about anyway, is that it's our experience. It's our own ex- individual experience. It's not me having to experience something for you. It's you needing to get that experience yourself. And so well, just and, and kind of... You're helping people to reconnect with their own inner awareness. Right. Right. Because so. I, I think there's a lot of re-remembering that's going on. So when you, Lori, or or other healers are helping encourage people to get on their path. That's why all of a sudden you don't have much experience as a writer, but all of a sudden in two hours you've written a story that's that's so powerful and well-crafted that it it belongs in in a best-of writer's book. I mean, there's there's a reason. It's it's that divine flow of of being, being on your path or why you're able to draw something that is so meaningful um, to people, you know, as to see a, a, a sketch of their beloved child, you know, that's, that's just a very, um, very powerful, very wonderful, unique gift. That's funny that you should say that because I, I have been told several times that um, I'm to draw the unborn children, like when a pregnant mom comes to me, that I can draw their guide or their angel or, you know, something relating to them that they'll recognize when they're born. Oh. I haven't gotten there yet. (laughs) I haven't gotten to that point yet, but that'll be an interesting, that'll be interesting. I can just see that that framed in a a nursery somewhere. Yeah. You know, the wonderful angels that, that, you know, we know are there for all of us, but um, you know, many of us just aren't aren't willing to trust or to to interact or, or act with because, well, that's not logical, and you know, that's not what I was taught, and you know, that's 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 superstitious, or you know, all the indoctrination that comes up for us. Well, I think that as we become more aware, um, those type of drawings will actually be real meaningful because those folks that are in the metaphysical world now would totally love to have a fo- uh, an image of their child's guide in the child's room so that the child recognizes. You know what I mean? It's like that's what I'm being told is that, you know, eventually it'll be Absolutely. like that. Absolutely. 
It's it's very interesting you say that because I just met with a new friend for coffee this morning, and she had an experience a few weeks ago of being at a, a spiritual weekend event retreat, and out of the corner of her eye, she saw a gentleman, and he was there, and then he wasn't there, and he was there, and he wasn't there, and she's like, whoa, you know, I dehydrated, hot <laughs> flash, what, what's going on here? So she knew he was both real and not real, but she mm-hmm. just felt very, very drawn to him and very happy and very warm in her heart. And within a few days, she found out it was her guide. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how neat that would have been if she had already known since she was a child right. you know, right. what, imagine. What, her, what her guide looked like. <laughs> imagine, imagine knowing that the guide that you come into this lifetime with, or guardian angel, some people would say guardian angel, Mm-hmm. You had an image of this guardian angel, and you could connect to that. And so, all throughout your life, you're like, oh, in your mind, you're recognizing your guardian angel when you're speaking to your angel, and and just all the way through your life. Imagine knowing what they look like. That's well, I, I've already. I can extrapolate that too. There would certainly be um, a lot less anxiety and depression. Um, some of the things that really really plague our our society um, if people just felt um, more more loved and supported in, in many ways because we certainly are, but um, some of us don't, you know, wake up to that until much later or, or never wake up to it at all. Well, even these children that do see their guides and their guardian angels all the way up until they're five years old and they're told, I'm sorry, but your imaginary friends, it's just imaginary. You know, Cor- correct, which must be pretty crushing um, because I think many of us do recall our imaginary friends and, and, you know, going through that moment and you've got the authority figure, you've got the, the parent that you love and, and gave birth to you or, you know, fathered you telling you this. It's like, wow, that just mm-hmm. really messed with your reality and your self-confidence. You know, and that's so, usually, no, no, no poor intent on their part. And looking back five years ago, 2010, when you began, and look, seeing where you are now, look at how much more comfortable and confident you've become through all of this. That's happened. That's part of the process, isn't it? It is. And, you know, having the confirmation and validation when you do finally take that step to trust in your abilities and gifts and get out there with them, um, and you get that validation and you get that, you know, the confirmation from people, it really, it does a lot to encourage you to stay the journey because there are lots of times when you can get um, kind of caught up in the emotional part of life and it can kind of distract you from what your role is easily. I mean, it could easily, tomorrow you could say, you know, I could say, no, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm too emotional. I, I had too many people cry on my shoulder, you know. Um, but for me, it's more of an encouragement. It's like, okay, it's, it's, let's keep going with this. There's more people out there that I need to be helping. And it's not coming from a place of ego for me because I totally, it's not like, oh, I did this painting, ha, ha, ha. It's not like that for me. It's, I totally give that credit to my other half on the other side of the veil because it is with their help that I am actually able to do what I do. 
and share it. And there's so much more to come. And in so many ways, you're still at the very beginning. Yes. Yeah. So I'm just excited. I I, I know my art's going to take another shift yet and, and go in another direction. And I'm just really excited and I'll just kind of go along with the ride. I'm just fortunate enough that I'm able to focus full time on my art and on my writing right now. So I have a very supportive husband that, you know, is just, he's just been wonderful about encouraging me. And, um, you know, he set me up in my own art studio and, you know, so I'm just going to town with it. Well, as we come to the, uh, to the close of tonight's show, it, Lauren, is there a message, Lori, that you'd like to send out to everyone? Is there something that you'd like for everyone to focus on? Actually, yes, there is. And I kind of put this on my um, website as well. It, I'm encouraging everyone out there to do their joy. If, they're, if they have a creative spark or something that, that they've kind of been battling around in their head that they kind of want to try, I'm encouraging them to do that. You know, take that step and enjoy life because, you know, this lifetime only goes around once. <laughs> this one. And um, take advantage of that. You know, it, it, you may be a wonderful cook. You know, you could be someone that sews like crazy and does wonderful things with sewing. You could be someone that just knows how to encourage other people and you continue doing that. I mean, not just writing and art. It's anything that you feel creative about. And I think that's what will keep our society going is these new things coming in, you know, the new ideas and it keeps things fresh and moving along. So I just want to encourage everyone. Well, thank you, Laurie. I want to tell all of our listeners about your website. It's www.lauriercreations.com. And I want to thank you for being my guest tonight, Laurie Reagan. I'd like to have you back again in the future. That sounds great. Thank you for having me on. I had a wonderful time. Gwendolyn, thanks for calling in. Absolutely. Thank you, Rich. And everyone, have a good evening. Bye now. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.